You're listening to the Writing Wall Podcast, and I'm your host, Stacey Hawks. Every second and fourth Saturday of the month, I will be here at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many other platforms. This podcast is designed for indie authors to have a platform to share their books, their poetry, and their stories. We also feature well-known and traditional writers that are from my home state of North Carolina, while also featuring local writers from my backyard right here in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Allegheny County. You can connect with us on Twitter at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at WritingsOnTheWall85 and grab our links there to our website so that you can keep up with what's happening with our monthly newsletter. Newsletters go out the first of every month and you can also sign up to follow us on the Wix app because everyone has a story. We want to hear yours. What is your story? everyone and welcome to the Writing Wall Podcast. I'm your host Stacey Hawks and I'm here with our season 5 finale author Diana Stevan. Besides writing, she's been a clinical social worker, she's been a teacher, school psychologist, administrator for EFAP firms, model, actress, and a freelance television writer for a sports show. Her published works to date include A Cry from the Deep, The Blue Nightgown, The Rubber Fence, and Sunflowers Under Fire. Diana, welcome to season five. Thank you so much for being our finale author this evening. Thank you so much, Stacy. Share with listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, and the genre you write. Well, I'm uh, I'm from right now. I live in Campbell River on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, and I'm originally from. I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is sort of the heart of Canada, in the middle of the prairies. And so, when I wrote Lilacs in the Dust Bowl, which is set in Manitoba, you know, the landscape is very familiar to me. I mean, I grew up on the prairies. Yes, Lilacs in the Dust Bowl is your most recent book. Share with listeners a little about that story. Well, Alex in the Dust Bowl follows my grandmother's story. It's part of a series, Lucia's Family Saga series. And so the first book was Sunflowers Under Fire, which is a story of my grandmother's life in uh, Russia during the Great War. She, Ukrainian grandmother, but at the time, uh, it's actually Ukraine right now. It's present-day Ukraine. But back then, during the Great War, it was Russia. And so it starts off, actually, with my mother's birth in 1915 in Russia. My grandfather has just joined the Tsar's army to fight in World War One. So that story you know, takes you through the Great War, the Bolshevik Revolution, the typhus epidemic, the wars that followed, and then the sequel, which is Lilacs in the Dust Bowl. It's her immigration story story to Canada in August 1929, just before the Great Depression began. And she was a farmer and she comes with her four children, a widow, to Canada. So she's now facing another 10 years of, you know, horrific times trying to survive uh, during the Great Depression in Manitoba, just north of North Dakota. So the prequel to this book is titled Sunflowers Under Fire. Share with listeners a little about that story. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because I had written a romantic mystery adventure and then I wrote a women's fiction set on a psychiatric ward. Anyway, how that came about, writing my grandmother's story, was I was telling my granddaughter some family stories. And she said to me, you know, that would make a really good book. And so, you know, I had about over a hundred pages on my computer of my mother's anecdotes of, you know, what it was like in the old country and then their time when they immigrated to Canada. So I thought, yeah, yeah, Chloe, you're right. <laughs> this would make a great story. And, and what was fabulous about it was that I rediscovered so many things about my family because I had to do so much research to fill in the blanks in my mother's story. And also my grandmother, I mean, I spent the first 15 years of my life sharing a bedroom with her and she never talked about uh, what she went through uh, during the Great Depression and she didn't talk about what she went through in the old country. So yeah, it was fascinating to me to kind of piece it all together. For listeners who do not know, tell them about the Dust Bowl and how it impacted the lives of the family featured in your book. It happened all over, yes. Well, the weather, the, I mean, there's no, you can't control nature. I mean, we know that today, there's some stuff that's happening to us. When they arrived in Manitoba in August 1929, that was just before the stock market crashed. And of course, the economy just, you know, uh, went uh, went downhill quickly. And then we had like the, the dust storms, uh, grasshopper plagues. Wheat prices were down because of the, you know, economic downturn around the world. And so they struggled just to get you know, their grain growing. It was, you know, farmers lost their properties. They went into foreclosure. They couldn't pay the rent if they were renting a farm. It was, it was grim. I mean, my mother talks about during that time how she couldn't give my father enough potatoes to eat. I mean, they were, you know, they were just down to, <laughs> you know, survival mode. It, pretty grim, very grim. It's hard to imagine just how widespread the Dust Bowl was. It was so bad that they said the dust from the Midwest would end up on the president's desk in Washington, D.C. There were even reports that the skies would be black and it would just go dark whenever the dust rolled in. And I couldn't imagine being in a space like that. You know, our country and even much of the world was in the grips of the Great Depression. So it just added to the economic impact. Well, that was it. I mean, I remember, you know, one of, one of the scenes I write where they had to cover their faces with kerchiefs to go out and with rags, try to keep the grasshoppers away from eating the little bit of grain that was growing there. And they were all out there, the whole family, just going up and down the rows, trying to swat at these grasshoppers that were flying into their eyes and into their mouths. And it was... And then, of course, the dust, it was hot too, you know, so the dust came into the house. They had to keep the windows closed, and of course, it was suffocating. And you talk about the, the black sky, Stacey, the sky was also a sickly yellow at times. It was, it was sad. But I should add, Stacey, that they also had some good times. In my Lilacs in the Dust Bowl, there's some uh, romance. There's a, a love story on a couple of levels. There's bar dance, because they certainly looked for ways to, I guess, temper what was going on there. And then my grandmother was quite a religious woman. So her faith, I think, sustained her both in the old country and here in Canada. She prayed a lot. So let's talk research. Was there any piece of information you learned that surprised you? And what resources did you find the most helpful? I read, uh, again, Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> 
Steinbeck's fabulous book. I read 10 Lost Years by Barry Broadfoot. Pierre Burton wrote books, some Canadian authors who wrote about the Great Depression. Uh, of course, now we're living in a time where there's so much material available online. I went to agricultural sites, you know, historical sites to look at how they managed. And there's also, I think, some urban stuff because my grandmother also, and my mother, who was a teenager when she came to Canada, they had to get domestic work in Winnipeg in the city when, uh, you know, during wintertime when, when they weren't able to farm, just to able to make ends meet. So again, there's yeah a lot of historical books on Canadian history and also looking at what was happening down south. Can you share something with listeners that did not make it into lilacs in the Dust Bowl? You, well, yeah, there's some family stuff that, you know, it's difficult because my book is biographical slash historical fiction. So this is a real life family. And I think I was blessed that I knew my mother's brothers, my uncles. So I had a good understanding of the different personalities. And also I'm a former family therapist. I was a family therapist for 25 years. So family dynamics has also been a big interest to me. But there was a few things that I felt that I really couldn't share, you know, that were just yeah, just out of respect for, I think there's, you know, a few family members that are left, like children of. Then I thought, you know, I just yeah, couldn't go there. I, as it is, my um, third book in the trilogy, which I'm working on right now, the sequel to the sequels, Paper Roses on Stony Mountain, it's, it shows my one of my uncles in not a favorable light because he had some alcohol problems, which, you know, come out in Lilacs in the Dust Bowl, where he really struggles with that. And that was a hard thing to write because back then there wasn't AA. Yeah, we didn't understand alcoholism the way we do today. So he has a rough time, you know, and so you see what my grandmother has to deal with. That was her son. So that was a hard one to write because I really loved him growing up. But he had such, he was not an easy man to live with for the family because of his choices and because of his dependency. So I hope that I've portrayed him in a light where people understand the challenges, but also can step back and say, wow, you know, the family, if they had only known this was an illness and it wasn't a weakness, I wanted to respect my family, but also respect the reader and not sort of pull my punches either, just so you see the quality of family life. Is there another genre you would consider or want to try your hand at writing? And if so, which one? Well, I'm planning to go back to my debut novel. In fact, I'm going through it again right now because I'm planning a sequel. It was the first novel I wrote. It's a romantic mystery adventure, had some paranormal across the genres. But it took me about 10 years to write that one. I love that book because we traveled from Provence to Manhattan and then to Ireland and then underwater, you know, for this treasure hunt. And then we've got this woman from another time that visits my protagonist in her dreams and underwater. Yeah, I love that book. And so I'm... <laughs> so I'm hoping to pick up on it because she has a feisty little daughter and I'm wanting to do something with her in the sequel now she's grown. That's going to be next, I think, Stacy. Now, writing stories like that for me is so much fun because we get to live so vicariously through our characters and we have a lot of freedom there. Absolutely. That was very imaginative. That was something that I don't know where... You know, because you write, sometimes you're writing and you're surprised at where the characters take you and you're thinking, wow, I didn't think of that. Absolutely. And some of the journeys our characters take us on are amazing, too, because we never know where they're going to lead us. 
Exactly. And I just loved that journey. And I think because it's a love story that spans generations and I'm a real romantic. So, and, and each of my books, even historical fiction, they all have some romance. Even the, the rubber fence, which takes place on the psych board, is more of a troubled romance. But yeah, I think love makes the world go around. And what would we do without it? You know, even when we're hurt, it's just there for everyone. We're all pining for it, right? Absolutely. And speaking of love, what advice would you give to someone who is looking, hoping, and would love to publish? Oh, wow. Well, I certainly know how to do that now. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, I had an agent for my screenplays before, so I know what that journey is all about. And I'm in two writers groups who have I had traditionally published authors as friends, but I'm a senior and I just decided that it would just take too long for me to go on that journey right now at my age. I learned how to indie publish in 2014 is when Cry from the Deep came out. And I think I'm very fortunate that it came out at a time when it became more popular to do that. And it started to gain way more respect, especially if you do it properly. So I would recommend if someone's interested in self-publishing is to write the best book you possibly can. Maybe get some beta readers, belong to a writer's critique group. I've belonged to one now for about 25 years. So you can run your, your story past them to make sure that you're, you know, you're on the right track uh, as far as, you know, plot and character development and all of that. And then I would make sure you get a good professional editor. I've always had a good professional editor. I get professional formatter. I have a professional book cover designer. And, uh, and then you proofread. You proofread a number of times even after you get it back from your editor and look at what's on the bookshelves look how a book is put together make sure that you understand you know the whole copyright page and and how the formatting is set up so that your book is easy to read you know it's in a font it takes a lot of care i think but it's worth it so on that note do you believe you have to be a good reader in order to be a great writer Absolutely. And I continue to read and I read all kinds of genres, even stuff that is kind of like considered kind of fluff. I read uh, literary fiction, commercial fiction. I even read some good nonfiction. You have to read. Thank you, Diana, for sharing that wonderful advice with our listeners and followers. Speaking of which, how can they follow you and find your books? Well, it's at dianastevan.com. I have a website, so it's D-I-A-N-A-S-T-E-V-A-N.com. And I'm on Twitter at Diana Stevan, and I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. My email is available there, too, on, on my website. Diana, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. It has been wonderful speaking with you. We really appreciate you being our Season 5 finale author. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Stacy. If you haven't already, drop by our Buy Me a Coffee platform to hear Diana's exclusive extra and other exclusive extras from season four and five of the Writing Wall podcast. And keep an eye on our social media pages for announcements about season six and a very special bonus guest author that will be joining us in November, just before the holidays. When I come back, we're going to do some shamelessly spooky shout outs. So stick around.
Season 5 of the Writing Wall blog and podcast is brought to you by author Brian Livingston of The Habits of Squirrels. The journey of a thousand miles begins with an irate squirrel. In this charming, thoughtful meditation on all of life's journeys, Brian Livingston finds humor, grace, and sunburn on one of America's greatest hikes. You can learn more about Brian in his amazing book, The Habits of Squirrels, at brianlivingstonbooks.com. Listeners and fellow readers alike can also follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Writing Wall to become a sponsor, receive your own personalized book ad, and more. Welcome to Shamelessly Spooky Shoutouts. First up on our go-to must-read spooky list is books by Brenda Line, Charlie's Mirror, Sister Lost, and her recent release, The Thirteenth Cabin. Can Regan O'Roik use her gifts to find two missing teenagers and live to tell about it? Find out in The Thirteenth Cabin, available on Amazon.com and by visiting BrendaLine.com. Follow Brenda on Twitter at aka BrendaLine and on Instagram using the same handle. Next up is author VJ Garski of The Raven Moonstone. After losing both of his parents in a freak accident, Noah struggles with his emotions. Questions bubble to the surface regarding his parents' death, and Noah vows to discover the truth. Was it nefarious dark magic or corporate greed? Everyone in town has a secret, but the biggest secret is the one his parents took to their graves. Follow Valerie Jane on Twitter at GarskyMai and find the Raven Moonstone on Amazon. For thrills and chills going back to the roaring 20s and 30s, check out Doug Breeden on Twitter at NW6LJane. And his story titled, Such Nice People, the story of Edward and Michelle Clark. Edward and Michelle Clark were seen as two of the world's nicest and celebrated people, esteemed historians and leading members of society. Edward was an expert in Tudor history, and Michelle was a child star, a rising expert in the history of gangs of the Roaring Twenties. But outward appearances can be deceiving. In fact, they were two of the most prolific serial killers in history. See their story and the story of FBI agents who tracked them down for 20 years. The story is available on Kindle Villa. Alan Bells delivers in his debut novel, Mirror Wars Double Jeopardy, a science fiction conspiracy thriller that's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook format. While investigating a murder in a sleepy English village, Inspector Dave Barnes' world is turned upside down when he uncovers a decades-old conspiracy originating from a parallel world. As shadows start to block his every turn, he is soon embroiled in a fight for survival. Follow Alan Biles on Twitter at albay3037. For mind-bending twists, check out The Reality of Dreams by John Ryland. When Colin Jones awakens from a coma to a completely different reality than he remembers, he begins to question which world is real. Within the reality of his mind, he is married to a beautiful woman, has two perfect children, and enjoys a wonderful life. 
In the reality he has awakened to, he's had a horrible traffic accident in which people died, but the medical staff refuses to say who. Complicating the situation, Colin Jones has also been part of a long-term study to tap into the minds of comatose patients. Is he a patient or a test subject? Are his dreams real or made up? Who is the woman in his mind and who died during the accident? Find out in the reality of dreams available on Amazon and follow John Ryland across social media on Twitter at John Ryland 10. Rounding off our shamelessly spooky shout outs is author Brandon D. Henry, Midnight Forever, 14, The Gothic 4, Deconsecrated. The Black Owl Publishers presents the 14th book of short scary stories from within the Gothic Hotel, Chicago. Check into the Gothic and follow author Brandon D. Henry on Instagram at author.brandon.d.henry. Better yet, meet our fellow writer of the week at the Rawlett Public Library. October 29th from 2 p.m. till 5.30 p.m. in Rowlett, Texas. That's it for us this shamelessly spooky Saturday. We hope you'll sink your teeth into these hauntingly good reads. Trick or treat. I want to take a moment during this Going Local segment to say a special thank you to all of our featured writers, authors, and storytellers of Season 5. A special thank you as well to our sponsor, Brian Livingston, author of The Habits of Squirrels and Tea with Coffee Media for partnering with us to help indie authors realize their dreams. Without you amazing folks of the writing communities of Twitter and Instagram, this podcast would not be possible. Also, a special thank you to my team this season for all of their hard work in helping to edit and share your stories. In case you're thinking about giving up on writing or you're feeling a little exhausted, here are a few great writing motivational quotes to help you keep going. Ray Bradbury said, You fail only if you stop writing. And that's so true. Anais Nin said, We write to taste life twice, in the moment and in retrospect. Toni Morrison's quote, though, is probably one of my favorite. If there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. Be sure that no matter what you do, it is authentic and 100% you. Don't water it down, Franz Kafka said it best. Don't bend. Don't water it down and don't try to make it logical. Don't edit your own soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense obsessions mercilessly. And remember, everything in life is writable. And by the way, everything in life is writable about if you have the outgoing guts to do it and the imagination to improvise. The worst enemy to creativity is self-doubt. Sylvia Plath. For all of those perfectionist writers out there like myself who like to keep it 100 or try to keep it at 100, cool reminder from John Acoff is 90% perfect and shared with the world always changes more lives than 100% perfect and stuck in your head. But I'll close with William Wadsworth who said, fill your paper with the breathings 
of your heart. We hope that you have enjoyed this season of the Writing Wall podcast, but we're not done quite yet. We're going to have a holiday special with Philip Raymond Brown and some of our audiobook narrators. So if you're interested in audiobooks and creating one for yourself, be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at WritingsOnTheWall85 for all the latest updates. Be sure to drop by our Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Writing Wall for season three through five extras of all of our authors that have been featured, articles, promotional assistance, and more. Because we all have a story, The Writing Wall podcast wants to hear yours. What is your story? Anytime I purchase a book, I always review, and if I really enjoy reading your work, rest assured, it may be shared here on this podcast with my listeners and followers. Of course, I will do so with permission from the author or authors first. Please like, follow, and share this information with other writers, and if you ever need a writer's lift, visit me on social media. Thank you all again for being here for this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and learning more about the stories you weave. Thank you.